0: again jesus spoke to them saying i am the light of the world whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life so the pharisees said to him you are bearing witness about yourself your testimony is not true jesus answered So they said to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true. And I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the father. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the son of man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as my father taught me and he who sent me is with me he has not left me alone for i always do the things that are pleasing to him as he was saying these things many believed in him this is this is the word of the lord you may be seated
1: elaine Good morning again, church. So glad that you are here uh, with us. My name is Nathan, if I haven't met you yet. Uh, it's good to be with you. I've been uh, at Olathe, our Olathe campus the last two Sundays, um, but I really miss, I miss you all. I miss being here. And So it's a delight uh, to be able to be here, to open God's word uh, together um, at, as we look at John 8. So let me, let me pray for us and we'll, we'll jump in. Father, we do ask that you would speak to us. God, show us your light um, and help us to walk in, in it. Help us to know who we are and who you've created us to be, and more importantly, who you are, and how you rescue us out of the mess, out of the darkness, to walk in your light. We ask you to do that now by the power of your Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, outside of my very strange obsession uh, with Johnny Cash... Uh, I've never considered myself, it's really weird, guys, uh, but I've never really considered myself a, a country music fan un- until I watched uh, recently with my family, I made them watch this, uh, the 16-hour Ken Burns documentary on the history of country music. Yes, yeah, 16 hours, yes. Uh, anybody else? Any, somebody? Surely somebody else has watched it in here. No? Okay, one person, <laughs> maybe two. Okay, I mean, I, we, watch, we watch everything Ken Burns does, honestly. So if, it doesn't matter what it's on, if he made it, uh, we're going to watch it. So we watched all 16 hours of Ken Burns, uh, and it was absolutely fascinating. And, and as probably you know, right, whether you're a country music fan or not, like, just as the songs tell so many sad stories, uh, so many of the early artists lived so many sad stories. Like, for example, I knew, I knew almost nothing about Hank Williams uh, before this, but I was instantly drawn into this individual, uh, his, uh, his darkness, but his longing for the light, uh, in fact, he, he wrote one of the most familiar uh, gospel country songs, uh, one of the most light-filled, hope-filled, uh, you know, knee-stomping kind of songs. In fact, some of you will recognize it uh, when we get to the chorus here. Let me just, I'm not going to sing it. Uh, we're going we're gonna to watch about 30 or 40 seconds of it right here.
0: a stranger in the night, praise the Lord, I saw the light, I saw the light, I saw the
1: Yeah, I mean, I saw some of your toes tapping. Uh, it was hard not to like, you kind of want to sing along, you want to stomp or something. Like there's something about that, song. it kind of just, it draws us in, right? Now you may, you may hate that style of music and and music. And let me be honest, like the, the twang of old timey country is unforgivable, right? We can, be, we can agree on that. Uh, and yet, like there's something there that draws us in. Some of you are gonna be humming that song for the rest, rest of the day, sorry, not sorry. Um, it's gonna happen. But like, listen to the hope of this song as the words continue. Let me, let me read uh, a few more verses of it. So it says, Just like a blind man, I wandered along. Worries and fears I claim for my own. Then like the blind man that God gave back his sight, praise the Lord, I saw the light. I was a fool to wander and stray, but straight is the gate and narrows the way. Now I have traded the wrong for the right. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. I saw the light, I saw the light. No more darkness, no more night. Now I'm so happy, no sorrow in sight. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. Now, I have, I have little doubt that Hank Williams meant those words as he wrote them. But by many accounts of that story, he was probably drunk when he wrote them, or hungover, or stoned, or just in between benders. He spent most of his life in one of those places, most of his life drunk, honestly. Uh, he w- was born with a spinal condition that caused uh, chronic pain, his entire life, uh, and part of his self-medication self-medic- led to intense alcoholism and morphine addiction, as well as other destructive habits. He died at age 29. He was found in the back of his car, surrounded by empty beer cans and unfinished songs. Did he see the light? And if so, what good did it do him, right? Right? Now, I know that's, that's kind of a heavy way to start, especially since it was so knee-stomping fun at first, right? Uh, it's kind of heavy, right, to, to like sink, let that sink in for a moment. But, but like, I'm drawn to that. You know, I have a little bit of darkness, right? I'm drawn to that. Um, because I think we, we all kind of identify with that war within us, right? That, that longing for the light of something better, the good, the true, the beautiful, something right with this world. And yet that war within us and around us of constant darkness, we feel we feel that battle, and so I want I want what what Hank wrote about right, and I want to avoid some of the same or, or same kinds of, of demons or problems, sins in my in my own life. And so when we when we get to what Jesus says here, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Like, when I hear those words, knowing my own darkness and the darkness of our world, like, I want to know how, right? How, Jesus? Tell me how. How can his light overcome my darkness? Overcome your darkness? If you haven't already, turn to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Now, now the previous story, so if if you're here last week, uh, the story ended with the people deeply divided over Jesus. They're arguing about who he is, uh, and then right at the start of chapter eight, you have the story of the woman caught in adultery. We wrote a blog about that one; uh, it was posted last week, so you can go back and you can read that one if you're if you want to know more. Uh, but it's it's best to read the end of chapter seven and chapter eight verse twelve together, because Jesus is responding in eight twelve to the controversy about him at the end of seven. He's trying to answer their questions because they're saying like, "Who are you? Like, are you the prophet? Are you the are you the son of David?" You know, are you, are you the Messiah or are you the, a devil from hell deceiving the people that needs to be crucified, right? These are the questions about him. And so it's in the midst of all those questions that Jesus responds with this. Okay, you want to know who I am? I am the light of the world. Wait, what? I mean, who does this guy think he is, Right? I mean, think, think about what he says there, the light of the world, not just, not just a light for Israel, the light for the first century, the light for, for Christians, the world. Which means, like, Jesus in this moment, he's claiming to be your light, my light. And he says this in a world in which light was a scarce resource, which we can't even imagine, right? We have too much light. Uh, but, you know, back then, it was like a candle or an oil lamp or the sun. Like, those were your options, and even think about the sun. In case you forgot what it looks like, um, there it is. Uh, in in the ancient world, is it any wonder that cultures, many different cultures, used to worship the sun? Like, that shouldn't surprise us—not a bit. In fact, we still kind of do it, don't we? I mean, every time I go to the beach, sitting out there with my fellow sunbathers and feel the warmth on his skin, we may not like, be praying to the sun, but there's some worshiping going on, right? Because we we know we know what it feels like, but we also know what it does. Like without the sun, like there's nothing no life no warmth no beauty no food the sun is the literal light of the world and i picture jesus in this moment having all these accusations thrown against him like he's standing out there and i I imagine him just looking up at the sun like oh well that reminds me of me The, the sun without which you have nothing there's me jesus says without which you have nothing Think about that. Jesus is to life what the sun is to life. But how can his light overcome the darkness? That's the real question, right? I think, there, I think there are three ways here, three ways in which Jesus enables us to truly see, to see through the darkness, to overcome it. First, first, when we see the light, we see our world just like the sun, right? That's part of what the sun does. If there's no sun, you can't see, right? Um, and Jesus is, is saying the same. He is the light by which we see our world, the only way to truly understand our world. So look at, look at verse 12. Again, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisee said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. Okay, so they're they're arguing about what's true, right? We never do that, right? Um, And the Pharisees, like, they're convinced. They're convinced. Like, Jesus, you you are a carpenter's son from Galilee, okay? You're nobody. But Jesus responds with, guys, you have no idea where I came from, and you have no idea where I'm going. Jesus, Jesus starts this section, uh, again, he did this uh, once or twice before already, um, he's going to do it a few more times, uh, by, by using the words I am, right, which is easy to just sort of pass over, I am the light of the world, but when John uh, highlights that, right, when Jesus does that throughout John, uh, it's often a reference to the Old Testament name of for God, Yahweh, that Yahweh is I am, right? In fact, this becomes really obvious when we get to the end of chapter 8, when Jesus said, if you want to really know who I, who I am, like before Abraham was, Jesus says, I am, okay? And that may sound cryptic to us, but the first listeners of that like literally picked up stones to, 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 to kill Jesus because they knew what he was claiming. They knew he was claiming to be God, right? And they weren't, they weren't going to stand for it and so Jesus in this this moment here he's he's saying like you want to know where I came from and where I am going it's like well you got to go back before the beginning right because I have no beginning That ultimately he's he's the creator and the the sustainer and and where's he going well first to a cross then to an empty tomb and eventually back here to reign over a new creation right to be our rightful king on the earth remade which, which means, and this is Jesus, okay, so don't get mad at me, uh, what he's saying here is that you cannot understand our world without understanding him, because you don't, you don't know where he came from or where he's going, which is, a, that's a big claim, right? And we, we try to understand the world, we can do our, do our best to put pieces together, but we can't answer the ultimate question of why, right? We can, we can try to figure out as much as we can, we can't, we can't say why. This is offensive, right? Jesus saying this, that's why they kill him. And we we live in a world, right, in which we are in constant argument over what is true. And Jesus says, if you want to know what's true, if you want to understand truth, start with me. I love love how former atheist C.S. Lewis summarized this after becoming a Christian. It's one of my favorite quotes of his. He says, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. I love that because like how? Okay, how does the sun help us see everything else? Well, that's pretty obvious, but how does Jesus help us see our world and see through the darkness of our world? Well, I think one of the most helpful ways to do this is to summarize the story of Jesus or the Bible or really the whole world um, as we often do in four parts. Maybe, maybe you've heard us do this before. Maybe, maybe you haven't. Uh, this isn't unique to us. Uh, but these four sort of sections, if you want to understand the Bible, if you want to understand the, the world, it's creation, fall, redemption, new creation. These are the four movements of reality, basically, of, of the universe, of the world. Yeah. Creation is, is what ought to be. So you look back. If you want to know what ought to be in our world, you look back to the garden the Garden of Eden. You look back to Genesis 1 and 2. That's what ought to be. Before everything fell apart, that's what it was. And so that explains love and beauty and meaning and joy and purpose and all these kinds of things that we still continue to cling to is what ought to be. And so in any area of your life, right, you should regularly ask what ought to be and go back to the garden to answer that question. But chapter 2, right, is what is the fall. We, We broke it all. Everything fell apart. There's still, there's still echoes of creation. We still have goodness and beauty and love and joy. But everything now is, is tainted because of, of sin and, and brokenness. And so this explains death and pain and heartache and violence and tsunamis and all these kinds of things that get wrapped up together, all this brokenness. And we all know as we look around our world, we know what is, right? It's a mess. It's broken. But then chapter 3, right? This, chapter 2 prevents us from being too optimistic, right, about reality uh, and, our, and our prognosis as humans. Uh, but chapter 3 gives us hope, right? Because what can be is that Jesus did not give up on his world, right? The light has come, and he has empowered and enabled us as his people to be that light of, of redemption in his world. And so in every area of your life, you should ask, what can be, right? Because of what God has done for you and for us, what can be, right? At home, at work, at school, whatever, whatever what can be? Where can you bring redemption? And ultimately, a new creation. Uh, this, is, this means it's all going somewhere, Right, that even though it feels like we have 10 seconds uh, together on planet Earth, like it's not true, right? We, it's it's longer than that. We have we have eternity. Uh, this gives us meaning and purpose and significance that, that God is one day through his son going to fix this world. He, Jesus is going to be our king on earth, right? The earth remade. He's going to be our son, our light. I mean, that's how the story ends. It all builds to that. And so when we, when we begin to see our world through this lens, asking these questions about all, all of reality, what, what ought to be, what is, what can be, what will be, we begin to see reality from his perspective and not just from our perspective. It gives us a little bit of a glimpse. This is, this is where Jesus came from, and it's where he's going, right? This is his story. It's our story. And when we see his light, we see our world. And if, if this is like an intr- intriguing framework for you or something like that, we have a class coming up this fall, Church for Monday. Uh, we'll spend a lot of time talking about this framework and what that means to us. Uh, it's a midweek class. Sign up for that. Uh, love to be able to be a part of that with you. But you've you got to ask yourself, the big, the big idea here, though, with this is we all have a lens, Through which we see the world Uh, we as humans we cannot help it right we are meaning makers we're trying to make sense we're trying to interpret everything because we want to know we want to know where we fit what what humanity is what life is we all have a lens something that defines truth for you for some it's our friends for others it's our political party maybe it's the the american dream right or whatever sort of cultural setting you find yourself every one of us is grasping for light for something, like anything, to tell us what our world is and how we should live. But according to Jesus, only when he is our lens, when he is our light, only when, like, he is the glasses we wear through which we interpret everything around us, only then do we see our world. So that's that's the first thing. When we see the light, we see our world. Second, when we see the light, we see ourselves. This is the scary part, right? Uh, because even though we we like the idea of self-awareness, we don't like too much self-awareness, right? We don't want want to know the deepest, like if we're completely honest, like I don't even want to see too deep into my soul, right? It's dark in there, right? People, I mean, you get that, and there are things that we prefer to keep hidden in the dark from ourselves and from others, certainly. There are areas in which I don't want the light to shine in my life because it's too scary, right? And if you saw it, you might leave. You might walk out on me, but this light sees everything. And that should, that should at first cause us to be a little uncomfortable, right? So look at verse, verse 15. Jesus, he, he continues to talk to them. He says, you judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. Okay, so he's, the light of the world is our judge. Okay, so he's, he has that position as rule of our lives. And then go down to verse 21. So he said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come. It's a pretty, pretty dark statement that Jesus gives there, right? That this, this light, it shows you what's really true about yourself. It, show, it shows you the places that no one sees, right? Your sin. And what's going to happen when, when it's exposed, right? When you see death inside. Maybe this is a silly example, but I think I mentioned uh, a while back that uh, a huge tree. We were out of town, and we came home, and this huge tree was down in our, in our front yard um, just, just a few weeks ago. Uh, and by all accounts, I mean, that looks like a beautiful tree, right? Look at all those leaves. This thing was absolutely flourishing. It had every evidence of life. We had uh, confidence it was just a great, beautiful, I mean, huge, massive, massive oak tree. It's gorgeous. On the outside... Like, like many of us here today, right? If we're completely honest, we put on our nice Sunday clothes, our nice Sunday faces, we uh, quickly yell at the kids and tell them to be, be good on good in church, and you know, whatever argument we're having with our spouse in the way, and it's like shh, you know, smile more, right? We, we we do that. Don't if we're honest, sometimes that's how we go, and then we kind of feel like we can fake it for maybe an hour and a half. But what I couldn't see from this this tree. Right, this massive, healthy-looking tree was was almost entirely hollow. It was actually rotting uh, both ways, uh, from the bottom up and from the top down. There's, go to the next picture. You can you can see that was a lot of work, people. Uh, You can see there's like a little section in the middle that actually was intact, but everything else was completely rotten. And when I when I first saw the tree, you know, my first thought was, well, I'm really glad it didn't fall in the house. Uh, my second thought as somebody who preaches on a regular basis was, well, that's going to make it into a sermon at some point. Because um, you have to. This is like if, when stuff happens, it's like this is what we do as, as pastors. Like, how can I work this in? Uh, that, was, that was literally the second thought. Uh, and then the third thought was, gosh, is that is that me? Is that us? Everything on the outside looks great. It's green. It's flourishing. It's oak. It's strong. It's big. It's beautiful. But is there death on the inside? Is it empty? And they're hollow, right? I mean, this is, this is what the light does, right? It exposes what you can't see, what you don't want to see necessarily. It shows you what you're made of, and it can be terrifying. So just, just ask yourself, what does this light expose? Like if Jesus were to shine a light into the deepest res- recesses of your heart, your life, your thoughts, behaviors, your habits, what would he see? Life or death? I even go back to the, the metaphor of the sun because the sun is good, right? Yeah, we all know the sun can kill you. I mean, too much can burn you, can blind you. Like, don't look directly at the sun, right? We need sunglasses, sunscreen, protection from its ever-piercing rays. And the reason I think God's light can be so scary is because we're not really sure what he's going to do when he sees. I mean, he already sees, but there's kind of this, this, this hope that we can keep it hidden, right? And we're afraid, what, what's he going to do? What, if, if I actually admit that to him, even though he already knows, like, what's he going to do when he sees? Because the reality is, most people, when they, when they know the ugliness, the darkness, they leave, don't they? They run. And we're afraid that God is going to do the same. This is what's so beautiful about Jesus. He doesn't run away from the darkness. He actually runs into the darkness with the light. In those places where everyone else, you're you're, you're sure they would abandon you, right? He actually goes to those places for you and for me. I mean, he, he is the piercing light of the world by which we see ourselves and it is bleak, but he's also, and this is the miracle of the gospel, people, he's also our shade in the scorching desert. He's our protection, our hope. For when we see the light, this is the third thing, when we see the light, we see our hope. Our hope. Cuz we don't have to get burned or blinded. He offers us rescue and life. Look look where he goes in verse verse 24. He says I told you that you would die in your sins. For unless you believe, okay, that's, that's the action step. We're going to get to, to that in a minute. There's a couple ways he says that. But unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I've been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge. But he who sent me is true. And I declare to the world that I have heard from him what I've heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the father. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, that's a reference to the cross, Jesus going to the cross, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. You see, when we, when we see our world like, rightly, right, and we see ourselves rightly, we feel desperate. We should, at least, right, unless we're completely naive. And you can, in those moments of desperation, you can run from the light, keep trying to hide from Jesus, or, or just shove the stuff deeper into the dark basement, right, of, of your life, whatever that is. Or, Jesus says, you can believe him. You can open your eyes to his light. You can receive his love and forgiveness. What he's saying there is you don't have to die in your sin. You don't have to die in the darkness i mean nobody nobody wants a world without light right let I me mean, just imagine i know there are like some creatures that do live in these really dark dark caves at the very very bottom of the ocean never ever 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 seen any light i can't even imagine that but even just imagine if our sun disappeared right in fact, if you, if you Google uh, what would happen if the sun disappeared, there's actually an article uh, by that title uh, on uh, the Discovery Channel. Um, a, little, a little fascinating, very quick read. Here's how it starts. Uh, if the sun suddenly blinked out of existence, you'd have nothing to worry about for the first eight minutes. After that, all hell would break loose. You see, it takes eight minutes for the light from the sun to travel to the earth, right? So we'd just be in blissful ignorance for eight minutes. Right? The sun could be dead right now, people, and we wouldn't even know. I mean, do you want to wait? You set a timer? Anybody? It's terrifying, right? And, and then the article goes on and it kind of describes the process. It'd actually take a, a few days. I mean, total darkness except for some stars. I mean, the moon wouldn't shine anymore, but there'd be a few stars out there. Uh, almost total darkness uh, as the temperatures begin to, to quickly drop. After two months, the ocean's surface would freeze over across our planet. And then it says the atmosphere would collapse, radiation would seep in, the earth would be an inhospitable wasteland drifting aimlessly through space. Great, something else to worry about, right? As if you didn't have enough, right? Friends, the sun is not the light of the world. Jesus is. And listen, listen again to what he offers us. Man, this, this verse, this, there's so much here. I, 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 it's just beautiful, right? The, there's an action step and a promise. An action step and a promise. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me, and earlier he said believes, right? Whoever follows believes. These are, these are different ways that Jesus uh, talks about the same thing, right? Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So essentially, Jesus is saying there, if you walk in the light, you will never walk in darkness, right? If you follow him, if you walk in the light, that's the action that Believe, walk in the light, follow me, like all of these things. Like if you were lost in the dark, right, and somebody hands you a flashlight, you'd be, yes, yes, please, right? You would take it. Of course you would. For by his light, we understand our world, we see ourselves, and we're given hope. And he's not just claiming to be light generically, It's just light out there, you know, that's passive to our existence, right? No, he's he's actually claiming to be your light. He's the light of the world. It's not just for us collectively. It is that, but it's for you personally, individually, in your life right now. He wants to be your light. And wherever you feel stuck, wherever you feel lost, wherever you feel most darkness, where you have the most questions, like, Jesus, let me shine a light, Follow me in those, those places. Bring me with you in those spaces. I want to be your light there. Wherever you have hard decisions, wherever the anxiety is, is the deepest, the shame, the fear, whatever it is, Jesus said, let me show you the way. Like through faith and obedience to me, like follow me. Walk in the light. For without him, our lives are like the earth without a sun, right? And a wasteland drifting aimlessly through space. And when we do walk in the light, let me just sit in this promise for a moment. This has been so rich to me these last couple of weeks. Again he says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, right? Will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Like in the, in the Greek there, we kind of lose some of the translation, in the, at least in the ESV. There's actually a double negative in the original language which for us, like, cancels things out. Um, that's not how it works in Greek. It actually intensifies. It makes it stronger. And so it's, it's their way in the Greek world of, of saying, like, never. Like, never, ever, ever, no way, ever. You will never walk in darkness. If you follow me, Jesus, you will never. You will never walk in darkness. Now, that raises a whole host of questions, right? I mean, it can't mean that you'll never stumble back into darkness of your own sin and blindness, right? I mean, just ask Hank right, Williams? Never able to shake his addictions. Nor does it mean you'll somehow be immune from all the darkness around you in our world, the pain, the brokenness, right, the, the heartache, suffering, right? None of that. Just as, as Hank suffered chronic pain and died so young. But here's what I think it does mean. When Jesus says you will never walk in it, you will ne- it won't define you. It won't consume you. That even, even when the darkness attacks you, Jesus says, right there, what does he say? You will have the light of life, and he's already said that's him, and he's not going anywhere. He's not going to walk out in the darkness, no matter how dark it gets. Even when you are responsible for causing the darkness, he's not going anywhere. That you will have the light of life, and when it is darkest, that is when Jesus' light shines brightest. That's, I mean, that's the crucifixion, isn't it? that Jesus hung on a cross and the world literally got dark in the middle of the day, the darkest darkness as Jesus like, suffered for all of our sin, all of our brokenness, every shame, every regret, everything we've done wrong, all of that was put on him so much so that his father turned his face away, abandoned him. Which, which means Jesus was abandoned, truly abandoned so that you and I will never be. Not if you're with him. Not if you're one of his. No matter what you experience, no matter what you bring on yourself or others bring on you, he will never abandon you. This, this means that, that Jesus, he doesn't just he doesn't just understand your darkness, theoretically, or the pain. He, he walked in it. He lived it. He, he knows what it's like. He entered into the darkness of our world, suffering on behalf of our sin so that he can walk with us through it, so that he can understand what you're going through. He can walk with, with you through it can carry you through to the other side and he rose again shining forth right bursting out of the ground and shining light to prove that he's victorious this is our god listen i don't i don't know if hank williams was a christian or not i don't know i sure hope so but i feel so deeply what he described. I just want to read that first verse again. He says, I wandered so aimless, life filled with sin. Yeah, done that. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't let my dear Savior in. And then I love this line. This is my favorite line. Then Jesus came like a stranger in the night. Praise the Lord. I saw the light. Mm. Come Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, that's what I want you to do. For me, um, for those here, Would you come again like a stranger in the night in ways that are completely unanticipated, unexpected, um, and unmistakable of your presence with us? Come again like a stranger in the night. Show us your light. Show us your love. God, I pray that you would expose the darkness within us, even the places that we don't want to see, that we are afraid to see. Would you show us so that we may turn those things to you, that we can experience your forgiveness, release from our shame, and an ability through your, your, your spirit to actually walk in this light. That we long for that, and so would you do that work in us and for us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.